Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Post Analog Podcast for Generation X. So the continuation, what I left off from last episode is in my 20s, I was like in four relationships or all like two year, a year and year and a half. Mm-hmm. So I was a notorious dater mm-hmm. in my 20s. And then I think the 30s became a fuck fest for me. Mm-hmm. So that's when I really. Uh, I, I did. Uh, God, how do I say this without sound, sounding kind of and, and not putting down the Asian race to stop AAPA. I did well for an Asian dude. Uh, in, in my 30s. Well, that's an interesting comment. I, I, I'm just, is that a perception of yours or, or is that something you've experienced that is different? Great for- question. Um, it's because most of the girls at that time, keep in mind, my 20s was circa 95 to 05. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. born in 1975. So the most common thing that like uh, most girls that I dated were like, I'm not into Asian guys, but I'll I'll holler at you. I'll date. I'll date you, which is kind. It's kind of racist if you think about it, right? In a way. Yeah, that's why I'm curious um, to that perspective from you. But but it's honest in in a very childlike way for someone to say that repeatedly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one was like Filipino and white, and she had you know she was open minded. Mm-hmm. But everyone else is were like either Latin or mixed black. And mm-hmm. they were like, dude, I was totally in the black guys, but, mm-hmm. but, but those women are in their forties now. So mm-hmm. it's goes to show how much we progressed and changed society wise. No, that's interesting to me because um, I, I guess I'm, I always, I was talking to my better half about this you know, just the other day, actually I said, I think it's interesting that, you know, we talk. There's there's this whole thing about a, a dialogue that we we need we need as a nation about um, racism and stuff like that. Sure. But one of the things I I'm always curious as to people's backgrounds. Right, you're growing up and stuff. You grew up where? Geez, all over the world. Just um, I think it was like zero to three Philippines, three to six Spain, mm-hmm. six to nine New York, nine to eleven Philippines, back to New York till twelve. And then 12 to 14 Philippines and then 14 on L.A. And so you're you're dating the women that you dated. Were they a specific ethnicity or did you were you open to all types of women because you like women because of uh, your exposure to such a variety of cultures? Um, If I can try to recount because, you know, I'm at the loss of cognition age. Start mm-hmm. at 46. I got like a three letter last name with one syllable. And sometimes I can't even spell that shit. Um, th- there's something to the diaspora for Filipinos where you prefer lighter women, lighter skinned women. Why is that? Because we were colonized, right? Okay. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. my mom, um, it's probably inaccurate to show the audience the one with the cum hair 
from mm-hmm. something about Mary. <laughs> she was playing with hairspray. But my mom looks really like uh, like almost like Filipino Latin, you know, because her dad was half Greek. Mm-hmm. So I loved like Spaniard looking Filipinas. OK, so in your 20s, in my 20s, it would have to be mixed black, mixed girls and Latins. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I loved Asian women, but Erica, they did not like me at oh, all. Zero play, zero play, zero. I, I was probably too aggressive and too talkative. Mm-hmm. Still am. <laughs> There's a shit ton of women that hate me probably, but it was just one of those things where it was just, um, yeah, it was just mixed girls. Doesn't matter if it's mixed black, Afro-Latin, white Asian okay. and, and, and Latin. So do you think, and I'm asking this question only because uh, now I'll tell you something a little bit about my family background. My brother, uh, his wife is uh, Chinese. Her parents are from China. And, and, and you are ethnic, uh, ethnically, you're, you're German and Latin? German and Spanish. Okay, and then German, you know, French and you know all this other stuff that's in there too. But yeah. <laughs> but my dad, now, interesting, like you were talking about, my dad, uh, his his grandfather grandparents came from spain but they ended up in guatemala mm. and in guatemala during that time they liked like they loved germans they thought the germans were the cream of the crop and so that's what my dad was looking for when he ended up meeting my mother it's the fair skin the light eyes the blue the, the light hair everything like that it was the same thing that they had in guatemala because they actually were quite prejudiced and they, my dad used to call them indios uh the 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 people of darker skin even though they're <laughs> the Mullins, but it was that same type of that idea of um, they just liked a particular look and they thought it was for whatever reasons better. But I'm, I was curious to you because you have a, you have a diverse background. You've had culture, cultural, different experience. And if you're going to Spain, of course, you're going to have a different exposure and women here are they exposed to that many Asian men as far as relationships I don't not know. At that I don't, time. Uh, not at that time. I don't think so. Yeah, you're right. Not at that time. Um, but now, of course, it's changed. But even so, it's still I think there's still uh, a stigma there because, well, lately people have been hating on Asians. You know, you know, sure. that, right. So um, but with you, I'm, I was just curious in your 20s, did it change from your 20s to your 30s? Because you kind of sounded like you were a little bit more diverse in your 20s and then it kind of narrowed down in your 30s. And is that meaning because you were more interested in, in finding a solid relationship? And, and well, it's changing in a sense of socioeconomic background. Oh, it, 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 in my 30s, <laughs> it, it changed in a sense of. Is this person financially responsible? Hmm. That's the mid 30s, early 30s. I was still caveman charles where mm-hmm. it's like oh i'm gonna breed i'm gonna plow you mm-hmm. you're gonna raise the kids and it'll be a single income mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. total like a marauder of dating and then now mm-hmm. it's more or less um hey can you handle yourself financially because mm-hmm. because right now i'm handling both my brother and my mom mm-hmm who for the listening audience, one, my mom has cognitive issues, early onset dementia and dialysis and the whole potpourri of like hypertension, diabetes. Mm-hmm. My brother's diabetes has an autoimmune disease called Guillain-Barre syndrome and is on dialysis. That's a long story. 
Yeah. And then I'm diabetic with a lot of orthopedic injuries. So for me now, it's, it's really about financial responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like before, I, I, you know, typical caveman wrong thinking where it's like, well, I'm going to make all the money. Mm-hmm. You be educated and a trophy wife looks wise. Mm-hmm. That was it. Uh, towards my mid thirties, it started shifting to where it became about just res- respond, just be responsible. I could, if if you if you make five figures, cool. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, no, I need you to have your shit together. But at mm-hmm. the same time, this is my fault. Mm-hmm. I still got to wear the pants. Mm-hmm. But I think that needs to change too. If if it's if she's making more money, she's supporting everything, then I have to have my thumb in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's something we can get back to. I want to go back to your 20s again. Oh, 20s, back in the 20s. Back in the 20s. And how you basically just, I'm just guessing that you just met somebody and you could be a one-night stand or whatever. You just did it because hormones, because you just uh, raging whatever. I, I Tell me, because well, I'm a woman and I know that I've known some men in my 20s. Right. <laughs> in my 20s and they were crazy. Well, I think a lot of men, uh, who are in their 40s, 50s, the idea of dating was, well, I slept with you. We kind of get along. Therefore, you're my girlfriend. Mm. You know, it was it was that that was the dictation of society where it's like, OK, I guess it's long term. Mm-hmm. But what? Because I had a lot of aunties. You know, with them, it was just like, no, why would we do that? We're going to date a lot of guys Mm -hmm. and then we choose. Mm -hmm. But with guys, since we're Neanderthals Mm -hmm. or or whatever uh, evolved part or devolved part, Mm -hmm. you know, the moment you become intimate with someone, especially raised as a Catholic Filipino, Mm -hmm. it was almost like, oh, well, this is my long term now. Okay. And then you date and then you hate them after like eight months and then you prolong it. At least from my experience, you Mm -hmm. prolong it and then boom, you know, you start becoming passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. Whenever I would argue with a chick, I'd find someone to sleep with. Mm -hmm. Is that what broke up the relationships with or was it just something that to be culpable? Mm -hmm. I think guys should not be in long-term relationships until their mid thirties because you still look at another attractive girl and, and you're setting, if if you're ready to settle down, Mm -hmm. then you settle Mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the mistakes that hopefully the younger generation learn from guys is like, dude, just hook up right now. Mm -hmm. And, and, and and when you're ready, you, you be in a relationship and, that's the second test. Mm-hmm. But for my time, it was just like, well, we've hooked up. Therefore, we're in a relationship. Then you try to make it work. You force the work. Mm-hmm. And then you you break up with each other, either mutually in, in a tepid way or mm-hmm. in a in a good way. And, and this- for, for, my, for the most part, I was uh, the tepid. I was like Hamilton, the way I would break <laughs> up. It would be like a play. Yeah, Fuck yeah. you. You know, and then we're all screaming, <laughs> Fuck you to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it was bad. Poor, poor communicator on my end. <laughs> well, so when you um 
when you broke up, and I'm just curious again, again, I'm just asking because 20s is different than your 30s or was it basically the same type of type of breakups? Uh, did you become a little bit not as fuck you? Right. <laughs> um, art, singing your aria. Right, right, right. And you're a mezzo soprano, right? If I yeah, recall. Right. I mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I definitely was castrated and had that falsetto type of <laughs> like really beta male bitchy, <laughs> not culpable for his mistakes kind of F you, mm-hmm. you know? Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it was better in a sense of I knew it sooner mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I would start talking about, so where, where do you think we went wrong? Where do you mm-hmm. think we went right? I would try to probe mm-hmm. during the breakup, mm-hmm. but depending on the personality of who you date, Mm-hmm. They could take that very well because mm-hmm. it, it feels like something communicative or it was just like, well, if we're breaking up, why, why are we even talking? Yeah. Eh, eh, ah. No, no, Charles. No, if it's done, it's done. Just what, what are you trying to evaluate? Who are you, Oprah? You know? <laughs> yes. So, so yeah, that, that was my 20s. And then with the previous episode, that's we've covered why I'm still single. And during that time, I mean, I, I'm still thinking about um, when you were going through your communication or you're learning your communication skills, I'm thinking maybe, I don't know, um, or your breakups. Were you in love with these women? Did you say I love you with all of these relationships? Yeah, unfortunately, I was that was still kind of like my cowardice stage. Huh. This is this is this is when we met. Yeah. The KBCM. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Dude, in your thirties at a junior college with hot younger girls. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I ended up hooking up with like four girls in the radio program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that small booth. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I've hooked up with two girls in that booth. I know. Dang it, man! And I used to go working in those booths. Yeah. Oh my god! No wonder it had that weird smell. It, yeah, it had that <laughs> sex sex smell. Sex smell, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah. But, but yeah, it was one of those things where um, I, you know, I just try to probe and, and because they would be in their mid 20s and I'd be like in my early 30s, they'd be mm-hmm. like, why are we discussing this? We're done. Mm-hmm. You know, so but but yeah, that, that was it in my 30s. I was trying to find not someone moldable the way oh, ladies would date someone, a good looking guy that they can think they could rescue. Mm-hmm. Not in mm-hmm. that spirit, but I thought they would be in the way like, OK, she's in junior college, she's going to transfer to major university and off she is to whatever she decides to do. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, it, because my 20s, I was Mr. Relationship guy. My mm-hmm. 30s were my college years. Oh, interesting. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And then I burned out from sex like mid 30s. You burnt out from sex? Burnt out. You just what? You just decided to go on um, sabbatical? <laughs> yeah, I would go like on month, two months. Oh well, that's breaks. Nothing. Well, for that's, guys, that I mean, for I, guys, that's like a death march, right? Is it really? Okay, okay, because women, yeah, I could see that. I, women can go a little longer than that. Yeah, a lot longer. A year. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. Or more. Some women. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at that time, the technology for like these glass dildos oh, and were pretty amazing already then. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So, so then now you're now you're in your 40s and you do you want a relationship? Do you really want one? Or are you just saying that because you're thinking society is telling you, you know what, you're in your 40s and you probably should get in a relationship? Um, we covered a little bit of this, but mm-hmm. I do eventually because I think all successful people, whether if it's a male, female, 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 male to male relationship. Mm-hmm. Um those are the most successful people. But they really, you look, you look at like Jeff Bezos, right? He just gave away billions to deservedly gave uh, mm-hmm. billions because he founded Amazon with his previous wife, mm-hmm. got married again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I feel like, and this is like newly discovered for me. I feel like someone who's in a relationship is going to be okay because you're constantly mm-hmm. giving away and compromising. I think that's good. Compromise is good, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where, where if you're a dominant too much, I feel like you're not progressing. Now, you don't want to compromise all the time, but, you know, establish roles and, you know, both of you have a common goal. So you're, you're saying that you think that when you have a good relationship with the partner, that it helps you succeed. Absolutely. Or, a thousand okay. percent. A thousand okay. percent. See, I kind of almost disagree with you on that. Tell me. No, I mean, I, I always kind of believe you, but I kind of almost disagree with you. And I, I thought about that. I thought of, I think about things like that. I think that um, because I've known people and I my, myself at one point was not in a relationship for a while. And I got to the point where I realized, you know, I'm OK alone. And how long I, was that span? A year. Oh. What? <laughs> That's not a long time. Well, for me, that was a long time. <laughs> for me, it, that was a long time. For it, me, because I was, I was in like a relationship, relationship, relationship. But um, I, I'm just, I just think that sometimes what happens is, I think relationships help if they're a good relationship. Now, because uh, I'm not sure. talking about. There's a difference between a good relationship and a bad relationship. But if there's a relationship that you're in. Well, you actually are like best friends. And I remember hearing that. I'm not sure if you remember hearing that when you were growing up. They always say, you know, your partner needs to be your best friend. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're my best friend, you know, and they're not your best friend. Which I never bought. Right. Okay. Which you never bought. But would you buy it now? No. Really? No. Uh, uh, Because it should uh, you don't want to fuck your best friend. You know, there's no attraction to your best friend. Your best friend is is like a, a social channel. You know, it, uh, a best friend is someone that you don't intentionally want to be involved with. That's why sometimes when people link up, they say like, oh, I didn't know all this time that I was attracted. No, it's because situationally, you, if you found someone attractive off the jump, Either it's one sided where only one person finds them attractive or be like, you know, both kind of I've known. I know at least three couples that knew each other from either high school or college and then ended up dating each other in their 30s and got married. To me, I think that the term should be like. Not marry your best friend, but marry someone that you both can share the common goal. Because best friend, I, I, for me, if you're a chick, there's only two ways we're going to hang out. One, someone like you who is in a relationship, so there's no way I can't step on any, uh, any, any toes. That's the first way. And most likely, if I hang out with a female 
someone like you that can't step on your toes uh, dating wise, is there is there a goal? Oh, do we train jujitsu together? And she's phenomenal at leg locks. Is, is, is she, <laughs> would she be good at, at, as a podcast partner? And you, you guys were always cool, which is our situation. Or like I've befriended my good friends' um, wives. Not like we text all the time and oh shit, does this? Do I look like a little bitch wearing this shirt? It's not like that, but mm-hmm, it's still mm-hmm. like we're very. Like, I think you and Jeremy, Jackie, I think you and Jeremy should go eat here. You know, like a brother like, and sister kind of. Yeah, totally, totally, okay. totally. Right, yeah, but yeah. but for me, best friend does not work. It, it, it It's really more like you guys are attracted to each other. So therefore, you're not best friends off the jump. And then you share the mature goal. So do, so do you agree about the best friend thing? I don't agree. And I, okay. my, my, my mindset shed on, uh, changed on that because I was in the same thought, like Process. you were saying, basically that, yeah, you can be, you know, oh yeah, we're, we, we care about, I, I love this guy. This guy's really cool. I'm very attracted to him, sexually compatible. Um, but what changed in me was uh, you begin to realize, and this is what I talked about. Life throws things in, in your path that you just, it just throws wrenches all over the time, all the time. Something comes up and you think about it. And if, if you have a relationship and you're attracted to your partner and it develops even to a deeper relationship and the deeper relationship for me was that friendship. Uh, my partner is my best friend. I've never had a relationship with a person that I'm attracted to um, and a very, my, my best friend. I mean, that's just the bottom line. I can tell him anything. I'm not afraid to share him. We can talk about anything. I mean, anything from past to present. And the relationship is even deeper and has more meaning to me now with that in place. And I never thought that was possible. And it's like, I can look at him as a a lover, someone I'm attracted to, but I can also look at him as a person that, um, has brought so much more meaning to my life because he is that person that I can confide in. Now, he's not the person that I can tell everything as far as, you know, girls, women tell things to each other for whatever they talk about certain things. He's not into certain things. I get that. And I wouldn't want him. I don't expect him to be the everything. But there are moments, uh, for example, when his mother passed, hard. It's hard on people and when, when things like that happen in your life. And... <laughs> You can't always be a sexually attractive person. You, you look at them differently. You know, your, your whole perception changes about them because now that you care, you love them, but you care about them on a, on a different type of level. It's a different level when you have that type of layer. But before I didn't have that, I would have, I thought they were my friends and I was attracted to them, but there really wasn't because I didn't, that the friendship I have is a, is a very deep trust. And it goes beyond um, uh, the trust I've had with the, other men in my life. And so that's why I, I think it's very important actually to have that because it makes your relationship that much deeper and you never thought it could go that deep, especially if you've never gone through that before. That's it, why I think it's possible. Is he there now? No, he's not. Okay, there now. great, great, great. <laughs> well, well, for me, if it evolves to that, yeah, yeah, yes, then I buy it. But if it starts as best friends, no, no, it doesn't it start, start that way. It always starts physical. Yeah, it does. It I has agree. to start physical. Yeah, yeah. It's just when it gets when it gets to that those deeper levels, and it gets. I guess when life starts throwing things at you, and you guys journey through it together, help each other, are able to bounce things back and forth with each other. 
And that becomes a, a deeper bond than just the physical, because anything could happen in life where it takes that away. Sure. Yeah. And what uh, do you have then? Uh, I, I like it, but I, I, I got to go. I, I want to say it never got to that phase. Even my longest relationship was three years. It never got to that phase. The, the best friend thing. So there's a lot of malfunction, as I mentioned on our first pod, you know, being an illegitimate child and knowing that your dad is still with the first woman and would visit your mom. Uh, that fucked it's I'm still fucked that I, like I mentioned in the first pod, you know, I cheated on every girl on every girl. If there was a bad blow up, well, guess what? All my, all my bitch ass beta male shit mm-hmm. with, with my aunts, me observing my aunts, like playing dudes, you know, like, you know, women, you guys have, this thing I think they teach you like in first grade where it's like, no, you date this guy, you date this guy, you date this guy, and then you choose from the buffet. But for us guys, and I you guys are on course. <laughs> I didn't have that course. Damn well, it. maybe you took the AP course a little bit after high school, you know, because I know you have a lengthy history, which we'll cover eventually, <laughs> if not today, you know, but, but yeah, I, I, you know, because it's so complex coming from a, Catholic background. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. That that I can relate to. It, it's so complex. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I, I, I agree that yes, you become best friends. If that's the way it was stated or stipulated, yes. But starting off as best friends, no. That that no. No. It it it's it's both dopamine, lizard brain, uh caveman instinct when you find a chick that you're attracted to mm-hmm. you, you don't care dude you're just gonna ask them out mm-hmm. whether if you intentionally spill something on them or or whatever you know i mean you just go for it mm-hmm. I, I know when i'm attracted to a girl aggressively because mm-hmm. even if they're with a guy I've, I've i've done this twice where i've followed them right before they go to the restroom mm-hmm. in a bar mm-hmm. and and at my first stint at college at Pasadena city college. Well, I just saw them and they were walking down the steps and like, something takes over mm-hmm. where you're just, you have your fucking club. Mm-hmm. And you're, right. And you're talking to them. You're looking at their eyes. You mm-hmm. make sure they, they, they feel that stare. You're looking at their mouth you make sure they catch mm-hmm. that you're looking at your mouth. And then you're looking back at their eyes and you're, you're, it's intense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, uh, uh, uh. Mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's almost like gorilla like. So, yeah, that, that to me, becoming best friends. Great. Maybe my interpretation is a single person, which could be wrong, is just because you now share like you use the term journey. Mm-hmm. You both decided organically decided, fuck, this is like a, this is like a life partner. We're going to do this together. Yeah. Then it evolves to the best friend thing. Yeah, it does. And it's, it, it, it becomes, um, like I said, I, I kind of wish, like you said, I was younger. I wish somebody would have taught me certain things as far as relationships. Cause you know, when you have issues with your family, your parents, your dad, I had dad issues and stuff, not being there. You don't have anyone showing you that. And I don't even know if people even have that people have things where they go online and they ask other friends, what do you think? Or they have, um, you know, they read books and stuff like that, whether or not that helps. I hope it does. Some of it does. Some of it doesn't. Um, But you have, 
You don't have anyone actually teaching you relationship advice. You have them teach you everything else in school, but they don't teach you about relationships, which I think is interesting because I think that's core. I think it would help a lot of people if we had somebody just help kind of guide you through those difficult times. Because as you grow older, as you as you keep maturing, you know, from adolescence all the way through young adulthood to to mature adulthood, all of that, no one really teaches you what to expect. They just throw you just you just thrown out there and go figure it out yourself. Right. And that to me is what makes it hard for people like you and me and who don't have guidance. And I think there are a lot of people who had some guidance, at least from parents to or a mentor to help, you know, navigate them or give them some some information or advice. But when you don't have that and you're just out there, you're just you're just you're just out there just scrambling and just doing what you think is right to do. And you go through it and it ends up hurting sometimes you. Uh, many times the other person and uh, we're not understanding what relationships are all about. So it's going through that whole experience and where you are right now. The question is, okay, is that something that you want because you feel like, as you just mentioned, it's going to make you a better person in your career or whatever it is, or is it something that still in the back of your mind, your mind is society telling you this is how it has to be. And those are the things to try to figure out. And more importantly, the question I'm going to pose to you is, is there a bit of time ever in your life? And this is important, especially with mental health right now, that you ever stop to think, well, maybe I should talk to a professional about this and get some things out. And might, that might help me clarify what I really want or the direction I, I would like to go to or towards. Sure. I'll answer that. And then we'll slide into another topic. Okay. And for me, I've always thought within the last five years Maybe I should see a therapist. One of my favorite shows of all time is The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. That's why I loved it, because of the relationship of a mob boss that you who does evil things. But you know what? You, you're a fan of his. You know, the moment you put someone in, in, a, in a both psychiatrist, psychologist, and communicative like methodology, and then it feels like that character surrendered... Mm -hmm. There's something amazing about that. But I never pursued it because, like, there's a basketball player named Ben Simmons, right? Mm -hmm. he, perfor he performed poorly with Philadelphia. He makes millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And then now he's not playing this season because mm -hmm. he's, he's being a bitch because people will boo him. Yeah, I, I know who he is. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. you're, you're a sports fan. Mm-hmm. And you love cattails. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's inside for the people who are watching uh, the Zoom. But the, but the thing is, um, I don't want it to be that. Like, am I seeing a psychiatrist or a psychologist or something that can repair my thinking? And I'm paying you 350, 500 bucks an hour because I feel down. Figure it out. You know, it. I believe in it. Trust me. But I, I find more relief in, in having a drink with a friend, having a coffee with a friend, uh, speaking to someone you may not be good friends, but sometimes you have these purpose friends mm -hmm. where you have the most in-depth, long-form, uber-personal conversations, but you barely hang out. You see mm -hmm. each other and you use each other, you use each other mm -hmm. for psychosomatic correction. Mm -hmm. You know, you use each other for soundboards. 
And there are friends like that. They're purpose friends. They're not mm-hmm. like friends like, hey, let's go Mac on girls. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's go eat here. They're mm-hmm. like that psychological escape almost, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, I'd like to, but I feel like it would be a waste of time because I just don't trust someone in a chair and then there's a limit to time. Mm-hmm. If, if it's a session, fuck, if we go over an hour and a half, two hours, you know, it, it, it's like a radio program where it's like, I'm so sorry that, mm-hmm. that your dad died. This show is brought to you by Blue Chew. Blue Chew mm-hmm. is for male ED direction. You know, it, it's like the break. It's mm-hmm. like, no, you keep going. So there's something about that, Erica, where I don't mind the payment, but a limit. Mm-hmm. It's not a chiropractic cracking. Mm-hmm. You know, conversation needs to go as long as it needs to go. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I get that point because you're right. Excuse me. One minute. Yeah. I just move this guy. Okay. Yeah, that's my therapy count. You're right, right. <laughs> well, how about you? What you? Let me lob the question back to you. You know, have you done therapy before? Yes. Okay. And and uh, for which specific? Because uh, what I found out about passages myself, in life, you well, it had to do with I was picking the same type of man over and over and over. Mm, and what type of man? What type of man is that? The man that um, I would. Uh, that would love me and then leave me. And I would you, do everything I would show to show them what a great person I am. I'm a lovable. You can uh, look at me. I'm a wonderful person. You can love me. It was those type of uh, the type of men that would be involved with other women as well. Um, and I kept picking the same type of guy over and over. And, and a lot of them I, were in relationships too. One, a couple of them were, um, uh, the other ones, they were, you know, obviously seeing other women I didn't know at the time. You find out later, it always reflects back to I'm not lovable. I'm not a lovable person. That's because of my dad. That had the, to do with my dad when growing up. And when I decided after one, this, this one last relationship that just ended like poorly, and it wasn't, I wasn't like fighting and, and all that stuff, but it just ended up poorly um, the way he ended it. And I just let it go. Um, I decided I'm going to go and get some therapy because I, I've got to figure this out. I, I couldn't talk to my friends because I, I, don't, I didn't have friends I could trust in that sense. I'm very hard to get to know. I don't open up easily to my friends. They will always tell you, well, we don't know a whole lot about you, Erica. I mean, I've known you for 20 years, but we don't know anything about you. Erica doesn't share her stuff. She'll listen to other people, but she won't share her, her personal life, her personal story. So I went to a place that I felt safe, didn't know me, didn't know my history, and I would talk about why I was there. And you're right, where they have that time, you're there for an hour, maybe it's like 50 minutes and stuff. Um, and you're talking through, but they're not so much as saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, just nodding and nodding. They would actually lob questions back to make you stop and think. I'm like, well, I never thought of it that way. I never looked at it from that perspective to help me understand that the reason why I was picking somebody, the same, the same person over and over had to do with me, not them. It was me, the common denominator. It's me, right? So what am I doing? What am I reflecting or putting out there? Because that's what I believe. You put that stuff out there in the world and you attract like attracts like, and you track that type of energy. And then you begin to realize, I don't like this energy. I got to change it. I have to change it. That means I I have to change. Once I knew what I had to do, how to change myself, that's when I broke the cycle. 
Mm. And and this is this within the last 10 years? Yeah, this is right before I met Joseph. Wow. Okay. So yeah. there is room to actually matriculate the brain. Yeah. Because because for me, I, I just don't trust people that put a time limit. And, and, and this, that's that's a good point. You know, yeah. b- because like in radio interview training, it's like, okay, someone could say something very sound and really pinpoint to your emotion. Like it really hits you. But then you find out they're like a child porn fucking watcher. Mm-hmm. Like when you interview someone, like with a show, when when you interview people, if you know, if and when you decide to do your own thing, which is great too. When you want to interview someone, because you're you're doing a show, right? There's the numbers part, which you know is a big big get, a whale get, and then there's the the ones that you really just want to interview, mm-hmm. like. For me, I would want to interview someone that's been through suffering. Mm-hmm. But what type it, of suffering? Life suffering. Anywhere from failing financially and put them back themselves back, mm-hmm. going through a physical disability, and then they they can be a person who can be exemplary for people mm-hmm. who can mm-hmm. succeed. Just failure, you know? But if if you're like, <clears throat> what's typical for nowadays is influencers, life coach, and advisors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're fucking 23. Mm-hmm. Unless if you've been in the streets, but if you're just saying you're a life coach because that's what a career is, you, you don't know shit. Don't mm-hmm. give me your church notes. Mm-hmm. You haven't experienced enough. Oh, wait, you used to live in the East Coast and you moved to L.A., pursued acting, but you moved to LA on your dime mm-hmm. versus someone who moved to LA on their parents' dime. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the fruitional experience, meaning like, you know what it's like to grab soil, plant the tree, you know, water it and time it and, and template everything. That's different versus just having a tree, you know? Yeah. So like with, with that process, which I can give a big shout to like BBC and, satellite radio it, it they, they they dig deep to where like it, it's like joe rogan mm-hmm. you know he interviews people like he does an extensive amount mm-hmm. of research on the person so that way he's genuine about the conversation yeah so for me if someone is like has several degrees great mm-hmm. you're from calabasas or a nice part of the 310 i don't know you're born and raised in century city mm-hmm. Um, you passing advice where you've had it easy mm-hmm. is a failure on my end because that this person could be saying the correct thing, mm-hmm. but, oh, dude, you were, oh no, you were silver spooned. Mm-hmm. How the fuck? I mean, you know it cause there's a book. Mm-hmm. You, so that that's where I need to change that too, because someone could just give you the correct advice. Don't judge him, Charles, cause it's the correct advice. But for me, it's like, Oh, well, you're just reading it from a book. Well, if it rings true to you, if you hear it, regardless of where it comes from, if it rings true to you, you can use it. doesn't matter who it comes from. That's that's the universe. That's the universe to me always talking to you, whether through a person who suffered or whether a person's got a silver spoon. Sure. And and you're correct. And and I I agree with you. That's what I need to remove from, from the stigma. 
So, um, maybe on another time, but like, why do you think you don't have kids? Do you have the answer why you don't have kids? Yeah. And why is that? I didn't want kids. (laughs) I did not want kids from the jump. Um, I remember growing up and I remember thinking this is now this happens to women a lot. Okay. And and women, I'm sure you can relate to this. You're growing up, you see your friends, you you see it in social media, you see everyone's so happy with their, their significant other. They're talking about children. I have to have children by this age, especially women, you have to have them because the clock is ticking. So there's this pressure of constantly thinking I have to have children. And the thing was, I did not want to have children, and it was based on my my upbringing. My parents should have never been married, period. They should have never hooked up, but they did. And when my mom finally went through a divorce, I was I couldn't be happier because my dad was not a good person to me, not to the family, and was very abusive. Um, but that being said, I thought at that time, my mother struggled so hard. She, she I don't know how she survived with four kids because we didn't get very much money or help from my dad. And she was um, struggling with the little bits of wages, wages that she got. And I, I remember struggling so much as a kid because we were always thinking about, you know, food, you know, do we have enough food? Do we have shoes or clothes to go to school? Those were all struggles for all of us. I never, ever wanted to have children unless I knew I had the support and I never trusted men enough to, to be there to support. So with the that mental mind, support for clarity, like, right? The mental support, the mental support and the financial support, because, you know, growing up, a lot of people just walk away and you don't see them again. And you are there taking care of a child, trying to make ends meet. It's just too hard. I didn't want to bring a kid into that type of environment because it was a struggle. I hated seeing my mom going through that. It was so heartbreaking. She didn't know I felt that way. I saw that as a kid. And I knew that about her and you sensed it. You, you absorb all of that. She, a lot of times parents don't think that they absorb it, but kids do absorb that. They actually do. They see it. They can feel that energy. Didn't want it. I did not want it. And even when I got to a point in my thirties, when there was one guy that I thought about having the kid with, cause he really wanted to have kids. I said, Nope, I can't do it because I don't want, I don't want my kid to have a person that's a, a dad, a part-time dad, or again, disappear. And I just, I just didn't want to do that. There was just no way I wanted to do that and bring a child into this world for that reason. It was just too much. And you have people coming up to you, Charles, women, you mean you don't have any kids? Why don't you have kids? What type, why are you even asking me that question? Sure. You know, it's, it becomes a point where I, I have to defend why I don't have kids. They kind of frown upon, upon you. Some women, I've met a lot of women, especially at work, where they're like, they're talking about their kids and all this, this and that. And then they find out I don't have kids. They kind of look at you cross-eyed like, well, why don't you have kids? What's wrong with you? Well, there's nothing wrong with me. I made a decision and I'm glad I made that decision. To this day, I don't regret any of it at all. I would never, I, to this day, if I was 20 in my 30s, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't want kids. The twenty, the twenties, Charles. I I wanted to have like five kids in twenties. In my twenties. Wow. Yeah, I wanted to have like a Latin Filipino kid, Chinese kid. I want to have a white Filipino Chinese kid. I wanted mm-hmm. like five different kids, you know. And um, I'm glad that you saw that when you're young, you mm-hmm. know, because um, which uh, for me, if if I assume correctly, there's so many lasagna layers even just to your history, 
mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna share with you an IG post after we stop recording, and it, it's really motivational. It's about this runner um, who stopped, who who ran because her dad used to run and jog, but he was heavily abusive. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't know if this is in line for me or in purpose of me to to ask like uh, like your dad was just in and out, or was he like a physical abuse abusive person? Was he a drunk? Was he a womanizer? Um, so my father was in the military and so he would be off on his little, um, you know, stints for a year, two years, then come back home. And, um, fortunate for me, I was not the one who got abused, except it was my brothers and my mother. And I would, Interesting. Hide, in the, I would hide in the closet crying and praying. I would pray the Lord's prayer because I was afraid my dad was going to kill us. It was that scary as a kid. And he used to beat my mother. He used to beat my brothers. He would just, it was, and you, you heard it. So, you know, I was like five years old and I was fearful. I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, you don't know what to do because this is, you know, this is your environment. You have no idea. You, there's no one there to help you. You're just that's it. There's your mom can't help you. Your dad, forget that. Your brothers can't help you. Your sister can't help you. We're all in the same boat. We're in this nightmare, this terror. So those things remain in you. And you think about that, you know, that carries over to, like I said, having kids. Not that I was going to be, be abusive to my kids. I just didn't want to be bringing a kid into an environment where there was a, a fight about what we had to do, you know, how to take care of them, fight for money, fight for support, anything like that. You're going to have a kid. This uh, just did not want to put that environment or that fear into the child. I just couldn't do it. Wow. Like, and, and your dad, was he, do you remember what year or decade he was born? In, in yeah, 19, yeah, he was. He, he was. He was born in the 1920s. Okay, my dad so, was born in the 1930s. So yeah, pretty yeah. close. So the, and a different again, uh, a different environment, right? My back. My background is my dad was Spanish, and he had a temper. He had a horrible temper. Full and, Spanish. Well, again, pa- grandparents from Spain. They ended up in Guatemala, and they were a very wealthy family then. And mm. So there was a lot of there was a lot of. Uh, Again, the history I'm not even very familiar with because we never really got a chance to to know the history. But he was probably the most violent in his family. The other ones weren't violent like him, but he was very, very volatile. It would be interesting to find out if he joined the military to try and subdue his anger. <laughs> he wanted oh. to become an American citizen. Mm. But, and you but, could do it then. But uh, imagine like a part of your brain where you subconsciously do things, right? And mm-hmm. you don't know that's like either A, I'm going to join the military, obviously due to the citizenship, but there's also B, will this help me become violent so I can kill motherfuckers or will it help me control my violence because of the discipline? You know, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people I've met that trained like in Filipino stick and knife fighting and Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them would be mixed. They'd be like, mm-hmm. no, I'm training in this so I can beat the shit out of motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. But other people would train in, in, in jujitsu or Filipino stick and knife fighting. And they'd be like, dude, this is my calm. When I train in this and I, and I get my ass kicked, I'm the calmest guy. And these are people who are now mm-hmm. like in their seven, almost eight, I want to say 80s, mm-hmm. who I used to train with when I was younger. Uh, he was in the Air Force. <laughs> I don't think he went in there for fighting because they. That yeah. Was, yeah. No, he was just, he had some issues. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then you had 
So one other female sibling and two other male siblings? Yeah, two brothers and a sister. Yeah. Are you still in touch with them? Oh, yeah, we're very close. Ah, uh, good for you, man. Yeah, we're very close. The it's family's almost- very close. My mother kept us close. Good for you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and is your mom still with you? Yes. Thank God. Yes. Well, that's right. You were talking about like when we're talking about like, Mm -hmm. you know, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. That's that's amazing, man. Have you corrected? Like what were things, if if I may ask, what were things that affected you in dating? Like maybe in the teens, sometimes that starts in the teens already. Well, I didn't date when I was in my teens because we weren't allowed to date. Mm. Um, my mom kept a close eye on us but when i got in my 20s uh my first love was actually in my 20s i was married before my first love okay so i got married when i was 18 i was really young and i got divorced uh, three years later it was after that that i met my first love when i went to college at long beach state and i had an incident that really really shook me up i was very jealous and possessive. And my dad was like that, not realizing that that came, rubbed off on me. But what happened was I had an incident one night where I just had this just weird, weird, uncontrollable uh, crying and shaking. I couldn't, I didn't know where it came from. And my boyfriend at the time was trying to calm me down and I didn't realize what it came from, but it was this reliving an experience from my dad, I think from the past. And I woke up from a dream That's what happened. And Unfortunately, like I said, the, that relationship didn't work out. And I was very, very jealous and, and very, very, very possessive. I was crazy. <laughs> That's I your last type. I was the crazy type who took the clothes and threw it out the window, took his instrument, threw it out the window. <laughs> That's I was that type of volatile, explosive person, not realizing where that came from. And again, that's one of the things I learned. And it took me quite a few years once I went to that uh, counselor to start rehashing these feelings and and dealing with them. You have to confront them. You have to confront those demons. There's no other, there's no workaround. I, I don't care what anyone says. There's no workaround. You have to confront them and you have to figure out what is going on. So back to you when it comes to <laughs> demons. A lot of, wait, wait, there's a lot more layers behind that. Cause I want to hear the fuckery of you. Oh my failing. God. The, 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 doesn't have to be sexual, but just the failing of relationships. Maybe I was extremely jealous. I was, a, and this, you know, thankfully at that time we didn't have all the social media because man, that would have been crazy. I would have been out there <laughs> sure. blasting, blasting things like crazy, but I was very possessive, very, um, very, very, very jealous. And I, it, it, it drove every relationship away in my twenties. And then it changed in my thirties. Before you get into your thirties, did, was it out of possession or threat of them cheating or do you know that? It was the fact that I didn't love myself and I didn't think I was lovable. Mm, 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 That's what it is. Mm, mm. So it was just like a value thing. Where it, was like, a, it was a value thing. Exactly. You don't know your self-worth because if your father didn't love you, who's going to love you? Oh, so your dad wasn't like almost two-dimensional as far as for personality where he's like, I love you, but I'm drunk right now. So I'm going to beat the shit out of the rest of everyone. No, he just didn't love it, you. He was very cold. You were just there. If that, yeah. I mean, he would, there would be moments that he was warm and, and charming, but the, the, mo- the majority of time you're, you're walking on eggshells at every time because if you do something off or bad, it's going to cause a fight and then the violence comes out. Isn't that then, 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go it's ahead. Like, no, no. But it's that's what happens, and those are the things that you hold on to, and so because of that, that sits inside of you, and you don't even realize that that's how you act out when you get involved in relationships, and all of a sudden you're acting mental. I call it mental because to me he was mental, and you start acting out the violence. I used to be physical too. I would, I would, I would hit them if I felt like they cheated on me, and you know that's not the right thing. But it took me a while to, to figure that out and realize this is not the place I want to be. Yeah. It, it took me a while. I, I went through the same thing in the sense of, I don't want to hear about the past boyfriends you've had. As far as I'm concerned, I'm the only dick you've ever had, mm-hmm. you know, but it was really, at first I thought it was just, it was, that's what men should do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm mm-hmm. fucking M- Mufasa. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> which that lion fucking died on a cliff, you know, but it was just, <laughs> you know, that person, that thought died, you mm-hmm. know, because it was just like, Oh, I'm really just insecure because one, you're, a, you're, you're talking to girls without the, in- without subconsciously admitting to yourself, your intention is to talk to other girls in case you fight with this one girl that you're dating and then you sleep with them. Mm-hmm. You know, because I always, I used to always talk to girls with a heavy listening. I mean, look at you and I, we're heavily mm-hmm. listeners, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I would always lob some sense of attraction. So they knew, did he say I look good in a way mm-hmm. like, like a brother says like, mm-hmm. oh, you look good? Mm-hmm. Or was it more like, you look good, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things where it's interesting how, it carried over. And honestly, I feel without the internet, people like you and I who kind of have a uh, a weathered baseball glove of a background, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think it's easier for us to adjust who've experienced the analog life. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, well, well, I mean... And your siblings, are they all cool? If I'm, I'm not trying to get their business out there, but, you know, they seem to be functioning okay? Or? Yeah, I think everyone had to, as I mentioned, there comes a point in everyone's life, and I they never were uh, telling me if they sought uh, counseling or anything like that, or maybe they had another friend that they could talk to, because I believe in the value, just like you mentioned, where you said, if you have a friend that you can talk to, um, if you have that, oh, by all means, that's the that to me is great, that to be used. I utilize it to the fullest, but if you don't have that or you're afraid or you're, you're afraid to reveal yourself to people, then you, then it's important to get that assistance, that help. Even if it's um, 50 minutes uh, a week, once a week, it doesn't matter because it does make a difference. You really don't, it really makes a difference. And that's, we'll go back to that conversation in the future about mental health. And um, sometimes you don't even realize you need it because you think oh, I'm okay, okay. I can handle this. I can work through this. Nah, you really, you really need to sort out your, your thoughts sometimes with a person who doesn't know you at all. Yeah. You know, um, there's a moment when we got, and I'll answer your question about kids, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, I think you, you're asking why I don't have kids before I get to that, to compliment your point, there was a point where, I got COVID in December, late December, 2020. I passed it to my mom, passed it to my brother. My brother passed it to the caregiver. Oh, geez. And I deleted the post 
but this is where social media is dangerous. I, I took a shot of my COVID test. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, 2020, it was still kind of like, is this AIDS for your lungs? You know, mm-hmm. it was so like, mm-hmm. if if someone recovered from COVID, do you still want to see them? Do you still want to hang out with them? Yeah. You know, that was yeah. the feeling I got. Yeah. And and I deleted it within, I want to say, under under a day. Mm-hmm. I just had to express it. Mm-hmm. The most amazing thing that happened uh, was my good friends, Chris and Jeremy, brought fucking a bunch of vitamins and food. Mm-hmm. I mean, these two dudes live on the West side. One lived like in Culver city. One live lives like in the miracle mile Fairfax mm-hmm. district. It was such an amazing feeling. I just felt like, Oh my God, these are like guys. If you guys do listen, I mean this in a good way. They were like spirit gargoyles. <laughs> That's cool. You know, oh, they wow, were like yeah. spirit gargoyles. I mean that in a good mm-hmm. way. To receive like, I want to say nine grocery bags. Wow. Same day. Wow. Wow. Medicine, food. It really gave me a surge to mm-hmm. fight this fucking COVID thing. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, to, uh, that's one form of wellness is the societal support from good friends. You know, and and. I'm not there yet, Erica. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm ever going to be there where I sit down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I've fought a lot of different bad, dark, tepid days. Mm-hmm. So I'm not at that space right now. If if I were to meet a psychiatrist, it's probably because she's cute and I'm trying mm-hmm. to bang her. <laughs> hey, one day. And then have kids? <laughs> maybe. Uh-huh. Maybe. But uh, but why don't you sit on the sofa next to me and we'll put on this <laughs> thing called Netflix. We'll watch <laughs> Narcos to be uber romantic and we'll, we'll watch about like the Colombian drug war because <laughs> I'm a dour fucking wounded cat, you know. But yeah, uh, for me, before I used to want to have kids, mm-hmm. but it changed. It just I don't want to one. I, I don't think I've found the right par- person yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, to deal with my bullshit, not meaning me as like this high maintenance manzilla, mm-hmm. but it's just my, my situation with my brother and my mom. But why did you want five kids in your 20s? Is it, was it something it, that it was four different eight ethnic backgrounds? If I found out if I knew mm-hmm. of like Norwegians, it'd be kid number six. If mm-hmm. I knew of, yeah, it was just like I wanted like uh, to cover four continents. It wasn't like specific. It was just like, I want to have one that's black and Asian, white and Asian, Latin and Asian, you know? So that was just a number I came up with. Not, nothing too deep as far as for that. But yeah, um, what took place in my 20s why I didn't have kids? I ended, um, I didn't have it, but there was, her name sounds like Mindy. Okay. <laughs> Rhymes with Mindy Danchez. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> she got pregnant, but mm-hmm. she, uh, what's, what's the term? God, I'm so old. Abort? So, no. Oh. She had um, a miscarriage. A miscarriage. Okay. And after that, there's something about, I don't want to say guilt, but it was just a bad feeling about, I felt for her. Oh, 
Not for me. Mm-hmm. Because if she was pregnant, I was going to ask for, for an abortion. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, after that took place, I was just like, oh, shit. Women go through a fucking shit ton. Because mm. it's a life being in their body. But she took it like a champ. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, this one girl I dated rhymes with Dristine. Mm-hmm. Half Filipino, half white. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so bad, Erica. Every time after like the second date, we fucked. Mm-hmm. Every time we saw each other, we had sex. We were just mm-hmm. like bulls and ox, like alligators going out of the water. Mm-hmm. You know? Like we had sex all the time. Mm-hmm. And then one drunken night um, after we agreed that she would be on birth control, yeah. Dumbo uh-huh. skipped like a day of taking the pill. Mm-hmm. So I was spoiled and, you know, we were like in cum bucket mode. Mm-hmm. So she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And wow. we've, thank God I've been, this is so selfish. I've been blessed that, um, that she agreed. No, now's not the time to have a kid. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's so you guys came to that. She came to that conclusion. Did she t- ask you? Did she talk to you about it? Oh, I asked. I initiated okay. everything because I oh, didn't want to okay. have a kid. I did not want to have a kid. Um, and she would have been the one to have a kid with because in the tw- we, this is the time in your twenties. Twenties. I want to okay. say I was like twenty-four. Okay. Uh, and then in my late twenties. I'm not even gonna do the impression of her name, but but my late twenties, she was Jewish, Spanish, and Mexican. Mm-hmm. We had a volatile relationship. We argued mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. and um, she got pregnant, and it was it was like literally like a five minute conversation. She was like, "What am I gonna do? Just stay at home, raise the kid?" And and I go, "Are you open to the idea of an abortion?" She's like, "Yeah, you mm-hmm. should do it." So the, the two abortions, mm-hmm. uh, that was it. That was it. Mm-hmm. But really, it was over due to the uh, miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Yes, being irresponsible, not using condoms. But mm-hmm. I hate condoms. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. Yeah, well, I never depended on condoms. That's why I took care of it myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, you know, then there's the SCD part, though. Yes, but it was just like it didn't matter because I didn't. I condoms were not reliable, at least to me. If I'm going to take care of it, I had to take care of it. That's the way I looked at it. But again, sure. let's, let's go back to so you you're in twenties and you had one that was a miscarriage, one was an abortion, and then did was there any time? Because I know women go through this. And it did. I did go through this for a brief period of time for about six months where you just like, I got to have a kid. I think I have to have a kid. Did you ever have that at uh, any point in your someone life? I dated? Yeah. Oh, I, if, if you're like in cum bucket mode, I'm, I'm not going to date you anymore. Mm-hmm. It was just you, then I guess we're, we're just going to hook up for like mm-hmm. this hot week. That was it. I, okay. Because I knew by my late 20s, I was like, I'm not I'm not going to have a kid. No, no, me, good old fucking mm-hmm. fucked up me, have mm-hmm. a kid, like what mm-hmm. you said. No, it's not going to work. Do your friends have kids? <clears throat> Everyone does. Every one of your, all uh, your friends have kids? All my friends, close- except for one guy named Russell. Mm-hmm. I, I probably have like the immediate contact ones. Are, I want to say I have like three immediate mm-hmm. contact ones and there's like five 
that I contact once in a while. They all have mm-hmm. kids except for this one guy named Russell, who's a mm-hmm. very dear friend. He's in his 40s and he has a fiance who lives in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in the financial advice um, field, financial sector. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, for the most, but his, his younger brother has two kids. But uh, does your brother have kids? No. So God, no one's going to fucking date that devil and, and marry him. <laughs> well, I'm just saying because I think it's interesting to um, to even look at your family di- dynamic to see that there's something that has to do, again, with your past or something that when you grew up, something that you saw. It, it, at this point in your life, do you think you're going to have kids? It would have to be it would have to be Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul trade. <laughs> okay. All right. It would it's have to be. Happen. Come on. No, it's not, not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, is, okay. is there a possibility? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we could trade Anthony Davis for Giannis and Tentacupo. Mm-hmm. Is there a possibility? Yes. But is it going to happen? No. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility. I mean, it would have to be like a millionaire female mm-hmm. who just mm-hmm. loves my character and is mm-hmm. willing to support my mom, my brother, myself. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it would have to be one of those. But thankfully, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a screenshot on your okay. cell phone. Okay? All right. All right. It's, um, it's this, it, like, I don't even know what I'm going to do with this, Erica. I mean, I kind of know, but I, I'm just here as, as a social experiment. I've never hooked up with someone who's... Um, Middle Eastern, Armenian, um, uh, of that kind, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm going to send you the screenshot right now. So let me know when you get it. Okay. I'm going to ask her out on a date pretty soon. Is she young enough to have kids? She's 47. Mm, okay. So she, she's a year older than me. Okay, I fucking, think I got something here. <laughs> fucking mangy cougar. Over okay, there. let me do my glasses yeah. on so I can see. Right. Okay. Okay. So you, you can go play by play. So I go, hey, Josephine, great pictures. And there's no way you're 47, which she looks really young, by the way. Because mm-hmm. she, goes, she goes, just uh, confirm that I'm not bullshitting the pod listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, I am. What city do you live in? I'm at Glendale. She goes, nice, close. I'm in Arcadia. So I go, you're used to Asians. Haha, uh, what's what's your ethnicity? She said, well, I live, which she means I love my Asians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am Lebanese Armenian. So I was like, when that took place, mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit. I'm mm-hmm. gonna get with this basmati rice and fucking kebab. <laughs> and and I say, let's exchange contact info and meet up. And then she gives her number. So mm-hmm. we've been texting that that took place. Uh, we've been texting since yesterday. So, like with that, I don't think she's economically unless if unless if her lebanese armenian family took care of her mm-hmm. and she's just pursuing to be in the beauty industry mm-hmm. i won't even say her name because i don't mm-hmm. know if she's going to listen to this or not and I, want, mm-hmm. I don't even know her we don't know each other but someone like that like that's almost like a social experiment for me mm-hmm. hmm, interesting you know because for me i'm not in my 20s in a hot potato Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. one's going to want to link up with a 46 year old with the fucking. Oh, stop. Well, well, I... long term, long term. Hooking up is not an issue. 
you know, up, mm, I can be charming on a date. Trust me, I can be charming on a date. I know uh, that. But... Who, who, who? Oh, really? Oh, no. Really? <laughs> no, no, oh, no, that no, bitch. No. Oh, fuck you, her. No, no, no. Uh, Take because... one more drink. Here's, mm-hmm. here, here's this double Cadillac mm-hmm. margarita from Casa Vega. Have one more drink. Mm-hmm. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, you see my uh, my eyebrows wrinkled. That's I'm, mm-hmm. I'm intently listening. Oh, it's all about you. Yes. Oh. By the way, you're pretty. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. I can totally relate. Mm-hmm. Oh, you like money? You like mm-hmm. Chinese? So do I. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I, I can totally <laughs> turn that up in a date. <laughs> it's like a template for me. Yeah, yeah. If I'm really attracted to someone, it's a template. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm not, I've, I've canceled dates and paid for the check and Okay, well, this is good. This is good. I just saw this, what you just sent me, right? Hmm. And you, this would be an experiment because of her ethnicity? No, it's because she's not the the monetary and societal match. I'm I'm being prejudiced here. Okay. How do you know that? I don't know that. That's why I'm going to go on a date. Okay. Okay. Because I feel like I need to be with like a submissive partner in a law in a law firm so she can handle her bills i'll handle my mom and brother mm-hmm. don't expect me to fucking wine and dine you mm-hmm. and buy a house for you if, mm-hmm. if we buy a house it may be together mm-hmm. but dude i got my mom with me my mom's the package you gotta yeah. be able to deal with that if you don't then it's back to jacking off watching pornhub but that's great because you're being authentic with yourself now. Yeah. And that's that, a new, that's a different level. I think so. Then a different, that's a different energy going out to attract that type of person into your life. You want to know how I fuck it up? Please do tell me how you fuck it up. So I'll be like, so I'll be like, wait, um, you think I'm cute. There's no long-term potential, but can we fuck? That's how and you that- fuck it up. And that's a Babe Ruth methodology. Mm-hmm. I'll strike out 50 times, but the 51st time, mm-hmm. knock it out of the park. And it, then it, what? It's happened like three times. Okay. But, but then what, what does that leave with you? Just the, the pleasure of being able to just, get... Just sexual satisfaction. That's okay. it. Okay. Okay. And I can and, separate that. But can you tell them that up front before you meet them? That's how I fuck it up. Not, not before um, I meet them. No, no, no. I, I establish, I want to date her so that way they can <laughs> at least, they can at least figure like, oh, this guy's kind of cool, man. Mm-hmm. You know, he can mech. He listens. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, it, it's almost like getting out. Right? Like you go on a date to get out. Okay. Well, especially, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, that's true. So... Which, by the way, we're recording this in the first week of February. I think the mask mandate might be removed. Yeah, and be, you know, the 15th? And, and you're just in time for Valentine's Day. Oh, I, I <laughs> nothing going on there. I'm, you know, I'm just saying, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, that's dialysis days for my yeah. mom and brother. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be interested. I want to, I want to find out if you do date her. Uh, that's a co- good conversation. That's going to be something we have to discuss because I, I want to probe again. Here we go deeper. I still haven't gotten the, the whole solution to your kids thing, though. We still haven't resolved that. Well, it, it's it's that traumatic experience in the okay. end. There we it's, go. It, it's traumatic. So it has experience. to do with, it has to do with basically from those two events or from your childhood. 
I want to say it's the miscarriage. And then okay. the two, the two abortions mm-hmm. were just like really sealing the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me add a giant BUT. Mm-hmm. If I found $10 million net mm-hmm. and I met a cool chick, I'm going to have a kid or two. Okay. For That's- selfish reasons. Okay. For selfish reasons. So someone can fucking take care of me the way I'm taking care of these two motherfuckers. <laughs> someone to carry grocery bags and adult Gerber. Adopt. And fuck that. I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm too narcissistic. <laughs> I'll adopt a cat or a dog at a fucking canary. No problem. But well, you, you, you would hope that your kids would take care of you because there's no guarantee on that either. No, no, no. Messy things. No, no. Yeah. I'm just going to kill them. I'm, oh, just gonna, okay. I'm just going to fucking, <laughs> I'll be withering at 86 and I'm going to swing a light baseball bat in their knees. <laughs> fucking ingrate. Gen, what, what would that be? Not Gen Z anymore. I guess. No, they'll starting. probably be the COVID generation. Who right. knows? The COVIDs, the vids. Imagine all the dumb kids now because, you know, they were raised by their parents or weren't good <laughs> academically. Spell cow. K-A-W. Ladies and gentlemen, my son and my teaching. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my but, God. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a, that's a solid episode. Mm-hmm. I know we can go long. Erica, like, I could do a five-hour pod with you. <laughs> you and I can do, like, a Joe Rogan pod, but we need to separate them. <laughs> and then, you know, I can introduce you to programming once we do our 12. Uh, but... <laughs> But yeah, this is great. I think I think uh, for for you who's listening, uh, mm-hmm. I can't disclose Erica's last name. You know, she works for a really big. I can't even say what company or what type of company because you'll know, <laughs> right? Yes, they will. They would know. They There's would the word know. lab in it, <laughs> and that's the most I'm going to give. <laughs> is that too much already? That's too much. Okay, I'll edit that shit out. That's okay. That it's it's okay. They're not going to know who I am. Okay. Well, I, since I already said, but she works for a lab, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's not Wuhan. <laughs> no, it's not Wuhan. <laughs> so, God, no. So there's nothing with the word virology in it or Institute. <laughs> so that's the good thing. If anything, it would be me. I know, <laughs> I, but uh, that would be me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, yeah. but yeah. Um, but our next conversation, we have to go back to. Like I said, I want to. I want to find out about. This. Oh yeah, we're gonna. You got to reveal some some stuff there for me because, um, you know what what's great about talking with Charles is there's again like you're talking about layers here. You're like you're the same thing. You have these layers to you, and I like to listen to what you're saying. And sometimes I think. I don't know if you're actually, when you talk, I'm, I'm not sure if you actually hear what you're saying because you're almost like skirting around something. There's something you're skirting around and I want to, I want to, I want to pull that out and get that I, out. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a big tease, mm-hmm. in, which I'm trying to un, undo in podcasting. Cause you want to tell, right. Mm-hmm. But for me, I love people to steer thought, steer mm-hmm. thought, S T I R. Sorry if I'm mm-hmm. pronouncing it with an Asiatic accent. I like to steer thought mm-hmm. and then I cap it, mm-hmm. you know, but someone like you, who's a great listener, who would be an amazing interviewer. It's like, you're curious. I, I like to think I'm, I'm curious though. Ours is more conversational. I'm playing conversationalist, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're, you're a great listener. And I, I would, I wouldn't, 
want to do a pod with anyone else who hasn't been through the fire. So yeah. I appreciate you definitely. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you too. Not trying to wash your balls and suck your dick so much, you know, but damn it. How'd you know I had balls? <laughs> right. You know, there's a lot of girls. I've been in told. New- yeah. You know, you know, there's, there's girls in New York now. They're, they're like beautiful girls, but mm-hmm. the way they talk to other girls, they're like, bitch, suck my dick, bitch. Fuck mm-hmm. you, bitch. Mm-hmm. It's like this generation is it, it. Everything's not according to what it should be now. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how, Gender roles are traversing almost. Yeah. Well, again, what's your pronoun? That's that's the new thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just you're right. It's just it's just things that are evolving to different places. And it's just can people continue to evolve and grow? But thanks. Uh, it's Charles and Erica, if I could say that. Yeah, I've said it like multiple times. So it's yeah. Charles and Erica in the post on analog podcast and signing off. Signing off. The Post Analog Podcast. Tune in for tradition, mental health, and conversation for the Gen Xers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.